0: All right, well, welcome to the church at Woodbine. If you're here for the first time, if you're worshiping online, my name is Doug Jones, and I am the campus and teaching pastor, and we just want to say welcome. We're so glad you're here. Now, I'll be honest. You guys have done something to me because usually I'm used to seeing everyone right here. Did you guys not get the facts? I mean, what's the deal? Y'all flipped on us. So anyway, so thank you. It is cool seeing people up front. Be careful. Sometimes I have a habit of spitting as I preach, so just be careful. Now, I'm teasing. It is a joy. Having you all here today, the first Sunday of July, we are starting a summer series called Everything Is Better in 5G or Life is Better in 5G. You might be wondering what is the 5G? What's groups, gospel conversations, gathering, giving, and going. And that's what we're we'll going to be talking about in every sermon this month, but also summer Sundays, our 9:30 life group hour started this morning with a brunch. If you missed it, You missed it. Great, incredible food, a lot of carbs. So if you find yourself getting sleepy, stand up. You can pace. We got a track here, okay? So also, our littles are in here today, and parents have already told me, hopefully my little one won't get too loud. I love it. I love hearing babies cry and talk, even if they start preaching. I've had littles even come up on stage as I've preached. I will pick them up. It does not bother me. I love the fact in Jesus' life, so many times while he was preaching to the masses, it said he would take a child within their midst. And years ago, I was deeply convicted about my attitude towards kids in a worship service. If they get to preaching and you get embarrassed, take them outside. But it does not bother me. We want to be a family child-friendly place. If they need to run a lap around the track, just make sure they go with them. And what I mean by track, it's the outside. Liam just walked by to go to the bathroom. The bathrooms are back there. It's fine with me, but don't let them race alone, okay? So Ethan and Dustin, don't have your kids race without you guys present, okay? All right. Awesome. Life is better in 5G. Everything is better in 5G. And for today, just for the fact that two days from now, we're going to be celebrating Independence Day, the 4th of July here in the United States. I thought to start the sermon series, I want to hit something that's uber important, totally important for our life as believers. It's almost foundational. Now, I'm not going to do a rah, rah pro America sermon today, but I will say this. While living in Mexico, the day of independence for Mexico is September 16th. And while there for those 20 years, I was amazed at the parades and the fireworks and the colors of green, red, and white for their flag, their country colors, and the pride and joy that my dear Mexican brothers and sisters had about their country. And through college, in my first few years in Mexico, I was pretty anti american And I'll never forget one of my mentors, when he is down teaching us as a missionary team, he shared, he's like, the Lord has so blessed me and showered me with blessings for being a U.S. citizen that I can't thank him enough for the opportunities that he's given me as an American. And I remember being cut to the heart about my really stinky attitude about the United States. We're not a perfect country. Every country has its skeletons in the closet. But the Lord began working on me powerfully and asking me the question, what are you grateful for about your home country? Now, there's a lot of us in here who aren't from the United States. Many of us are scattered all throughout the world. But I began thinking about that. And so some of my challenge questions for all of us today, and here's some funny ones. What are your 4th of July memories and traditions as a family? if you have any. We would go up to Columbus, Ohio every summer to visit my dad's parents and to stay with them, to stay with my uncle. There were parades, fireworks. It was the suburb of Upper Arlington, which is kind of like Brentwood. And we'd go to my uncle's house all day long and he would cook baked potatoes the size of a football, you could pun it, and steak galore. Potato chips, Salsa, nachos, cheese, green beans, forget that, corn on the cob, ice cream and brownies and more fireworks and more ice cream and more brownies and bratwurst. Jim McGaffigan, if you know who he is, he's a comedian and he has this whole thing about all the holidays throughout the world or throughout the year. And he'll say about 4th of July, you know, I usually don't eat a brat and a burger and a steak, but since I'm going to be blowing stuff up later on today, I need the energy. I'm like, yeah, that was us growing up. Even living in Mexico, we'd celebrate 4th of July. We'd celebrate Mexico's Independence Day. What are your memories for your Independence Day celebration? Here's another question. What are you grateful for about living in the United States? How has God blessed you? What are the freedoms that we have living here? In this country, did any of us this morning coming up and coming here today even think, hmm, I might get arrested if I go to church today? If I'm not mistaken, there's less than 40 countries and on our planet that have true religious freedom. Less than 40. Without persecution or discrimination. What are we grateful for? Now, I'm, he- I'm sure you've heard the phrase, I'm an American. I can do anything I want. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Have you heard that or something similar? I'm an American. No one's going to tell me what to do. This phrase here too, with great freedom comes great responsibility. Now, Dustin read us a verse. It's Galatians 5.1. And let's stand up again. Galatians 5.1. And today we're going to talk about freedom, but we're not going to talk about freedom in the United States or freedom in South Africa or China or Mexico or Honduras or Argentina or Germany or France. We're going to talk about the freedom Jesus gives us. As we enter into this week where we celebrate our freedom of this country, I hope it bounces back to this verse right here. Not because we're U.S. citizens or because we live in the United States, but because we are sons and daughters of the great high king of the universe. Right here, Galatians 5.1. For freedom, Christ set us free. Stand firm then, and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. All right, you may be seated. For freedom, Christ has set us free. I want to give some context about Galatians, the book of Galatians. Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote this letter to the church of Galatia. Now, there were several congregations in Galatia. Galatia is a region. It's part of what is modern-day Turkey today. And just to give some background, if you want to go back and read it, Acts chapter 13 and 14 is the context of when these churches started. When Paul and his ministry team, on their very first missionary journey, they traveled from Antioch. And there's some math that will be on the screen. I hope you guys can read it. But they were commissioned by the Holy Spirit in the very beginning of the book of Acts chapter 13. The Holy Spirit set, Paul, set apart Paul and Barnabas and John Mark. The church in Antioch prayed over them, and then they traveled. And If you can see it, the blue line, they traveled to the island of Cyprus. Then they traveled up to Pamphylia, to Persia, and then to Antioch and Pisidian, and then to Lystra, and then to Derby. And you can see with the blue arrows that they're actually heading back to Antioch where they originally started. But then they pull a Huey, a 180-degree turn, which then you'll see the red arrow, and they go back through those same cities. Of Derby, Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch and Pisidian. Those are the four cities of the Galatian church. And after Paul and his team planted those churches where they preached Christ crucified, buried, resurrected, faith in Jesus, and salvation and forgiveness of sins only by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We are not saved by works, but by faith. That is what Paul preached. And remember, Paul was a Pharisee. He had the entire Old Testament memorized. Paul was zealous for God before he met Jesus. And he was a legalist where he held on to the laws, the the Jewish religious laws of the Old Testament. He was so zealous that he persecuted Christians before he got saved. How many commandments are in the Old Testament? Does anybody remember? There's over 630. And if you were a good religious Jew before you met Jesus, you were required to obey every last one. And many of those commandments revolved around the temple sacrifices and ceremonial laws of what you can eat, what you can't eat. And apart from that, the religious leaders over centuries developed thousands of more laws, rules and regulations for the Jewish people to follow. And when Jesus came, he fulfilled the law. He didn't abolish it, he fulfilled it. And when Jesus met Paul on the road to Damascus, where Paul had truly come to Jesus meeting, where Paul realized we are saved not because of our obedience, not because we follow all 630 laws of the Old Testament. We are only saved because of God's great grace through the life, person, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That is the only way we're saved. It's through him. It's his grace. It's his mercy. It's not because we follow all the laws. All have sinned. All fall short. And the wages of sin is death. That's eternal separation. And no amount of obeying God's law will bring us forgiveness and new life. It's because of God's great grace. That's what Paul preached That's what they taught, and when they planted those churches in Galatia, it's all about faith and grace through the power and presence and person of Jesus. After Paul left and he finished that first missionary journey, and Hunter, you guys can take that down, Chris, thanks. Other religious leaders called Judaizers, they were Jewish Christians who still held on to and clung to the Old Testament law. There's great debate throughout history, were Judaizers, were they really Christian or not? But they were Jewish men, itinerant preachers and teachers that would travel around, who loved Jesus, but still clung to the Old Testament law. And they went through Galatia as well to these very churches that Paul started and they began to teach these Gentiles, oh no, you're not fully saved unless you get circumcised and obey the Old Testament. To be a real true Christian, which comes from the Jewish faith. Yes, you believe in Jesus, but you also need to obey all of these other laws. And as these Judaizers went through Galatia, they began to deceive and twist and turn the Galatian church away from true faith in Christ. Word got back to Paul what was going on. So he wrote the letter to Galatia, to the Galatian churches. Am I being clear on the context of what's happening? And through this whole book, this whole little letter of Galatians, Paul talks about faith in Christ. We are saved by our faith in Jesus, and it's by God's grace. For it is by faith you are saved, it is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast. It is by faith we live our lives in Jesus Christ, the son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. It's not by being a good Christian, doing all the good Christians things. It's God's mercy. And so right here in Galatians five, verse one, Paul declares and he says for freedom, Christ has set you free. This verse, it's short. There's actually one statement and two commands. What's the statement? For freedom, Christ has set you free. The two commands are stand firm. Don't submit yourself to a yoke of slavery. We're going to look at all three. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Free from what? Well, there are several verses we're going to look at very quickly. But free from what? Free to do what we want. Free to live how we want to live. Freedom from the Roman rule. Freedom from my parents. Freedom from having to work. Freedom from being responsible or freedom to be irresponsible. Freedom from what? Christ has set us free. What well, Jesus says in, in John chapter 8 verses 32, Jesus says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Say free. Free. We talk a lot about freedom and free. Free, okay. The truth will set us free. Well, who is the truth? Jesus is the truth. And in John chapter 8, verse 36, Jesus says, He continues to talk about my disciples. They will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And he also says, If the Son has set you free, you really will be free. Okay, awesome. But free from what? Free from what? Paul and the rest of the New Testament writers and Jesus himself, they talk about it. Romans chapter 6, 17 and 18, and then verse 22, Paul talks about it. He says, but thank God that, all, that although you used to be slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching which were handed over to you, and having been set free from sin. You became enslaved to righteousness. Wait a second. This verse talks about freedom and slavery. Everyone born, every human born, is born a slave to sin and death. We are slaves to something. We're either slaves to sin or slaves to, according to this verse, righteousness, which only comes through Jesus Christ. So when Jesus says we're set free by him, what it means is we're set free from sin. And then in verse 22, Romans 6, 22. That's actually right there. But now since you've been set free from sin and then become enslaved to God. If you've seen in certain religious tradition, Christian traditions, you'll see the priest wearing a white collar I wore one for 20 years in Mexico as an Anglican priest. That white collar symbolizes the yoke of slavery, not to sin, but to Christ. Symbolic. And when we become slaves to Jesus, which is what we are, we actually become free from sin and death. Because when we're enslaved to God... We, it says here, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification. And the outcome is eternal life. When Jesus sets us free from sin and from death, he gives us eternal life. And as he says in John, we will be set free from sin. And we have life. Life not only now, but forever. Forever. So we're set free, as Paul says in Galatians 5.1, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Free from sin, free from death. And there's one more. Hebrews chapter 2. This is one of my, and I'm going to do a Forrest Gump English on you. This is one of my best, most favorite verses right here. It's horrible English. I love these two verses in Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. The writer of Hebrews, we don't know who the author is, but look at what he says. He says, now, since the children have flesh and blood in common, we are humans. We have flesh and blood. Every human that lives has flesh and blood. And the book of Hebrews is talking about the greatness of Jesus and the new covenant. And it compares the old covenant with the new covenant and that Jesus is a far greater mediator and the new covenant is far better than the old covenant, which is the old covenant, the old Testament. And he's lifting up Jesus. And as he says, as we share in flesh and blood, all of us are human. It says too, Jesus also shared in these. Jesus was a human just like you, just like me. The only great difference is he never sinned. That's the mystery of the incarnation. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. And it's going to take all eternity for us to understand that. When we see Jesus face to face, we will become like him. We won't become him. But we will become like him. And then we'll say that most common famous word in heaven. You can say it forward and backwards. Wow. If you spell it upside down, it's mom. I don't know what that means. And wow is just another version of saying Holy. You are distinct and unique and amazing. And there's no one like you, Jesus, being God's eternal son forever on the throne. And he clothed himself in frail humanity as one of us, yet without sin. Why? So that through his death, He might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil. And free those who are held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. Jesus has set us free from sin, from death, and from the power of Satan. That is what we're set free from. Now, living on this earth during this time, our faith is an already but not yet reality. We live in a world that still groans. It says in Romans 1, all creation groans to be set free because the promises that we have in Christ aren't yet fully fulfilled until he comes back and judges all things. So right now we live in that tension. Of the promises of God through Christ are always yes and amen. And yet even today we struggle with sin and temptation and death all around us. We still will be attacked by the evil one. The world hates us. And we will suffer persecution. Paul is very clear. If you want to live a godly life, you will be persecuted. Jesus said over and over, the world will hate you because the world hates him. And if the world crucified our Lord, our King, our Savior, what will they do to us? And that's one of my griefs I have about many of us who loathe the United States. There's much to be grateful for and the freedoms we have. May we never take it for granted because we have dear brothers and sisters on this planet right now being persecuted because they have the same faith we do. May we always be grateful for the freedoms we have, never taking it for granted, but may we always remember that this is not our home. We are strangers in a foreign land. Our home is heaven. And may we always be grateful for the good and bad because God calls us to be thankful. For freedom, you've been set free. That's the statement. It's the gospel. We all have sinned. And God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, because God knows the wages of sin is death. But Jesus took our penalty. He shed his precious blood on the cross. He was buried and he rose again. That salvation is not automatic. It's a gift. And in order to be set free from sin, death, and the power of the devil, we have to put our faith in Christ as Lord and Savior. If you have not done that today, you are still a slave to sin, death, and the devil. And your opportunity today to repent of your sin and put your faith in Jesus and he will set you free. There's most, I know most of you. I don't know all of you. Most of us in here I know love Jesus. And I want to encourage all of us to ask the Lord to give us a heart of gratefulness and thankfulness for all that he does in our lives. There are several buckets or camps of types of people that I know I could be talking to today. One bucket of people, and I'm sorry if I'm kind of comparing you to like a bucket, are those of us who don't know Christ. We haven't put our faith in Jesus. You're dead. And God loves you more than you could possibly know. We have a good, good Father, and he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins so that you could be forgiven and set free. That's the first bucket of people that I know I could be talking to. And I want to encourage you, don't leave this room today until you put your faith in Jesus. The other bucket or type of people are those of us who know it. We love Jesus, but we carry heavy burdens because we keep going back into sin. We keep falling back into habitual sins. And we carry this heavy burden that we're never going to get up to. We're never going to make it. We're never going to be obedient. And we grow weary and tired of the struggle and the fight. And I want to encourage you that we have such a good, good father. We have Jesus, the good, great shepherd. And he comes on his knees to you. And he wants to lift you up and carry you, hold you. Heal you, encourage you, and tell you that he's walking with you. He doesn't condemn you. And he will continue to give you strength and freedom because he loves you more than you could possibly know. And you grow weary. And he's the one who sustains you. He doesn't condemn. And I know most of us as Christians, we will fall into that bucket regularly or continually or even periodically. And the last thing we need is someone to come and scold us for not measuring up to what God wants. That's not his voice. Jesus is not the accuser of the brethren. Jesus is our good and great shepherd who holds you and heals you and encourages you. Don't be ashamed or afraid to come to him. He will not reject you. That is why scripture encourages us to confess our sins one to another, To humble ourselves. To ask for help. There are four friends that carried a paralytic to the feet of Jesus. Jesus saw their faith and healed the paralytic. There will be seasons in our life when we're the paralytic. There will be seasons in our life when we're one of the four friends. There will be times when we need to be carried. And there will be times when we're asked to do the carrying to carry one another to the feet of Jesus so that he brings healing. We have a special prayer team that we call Freedom Prayer. And uh, Dustin and Carolyn Denning have been leading this team. But those two, along with others here, have been equipped and trained to be those four friends, to sit with you and help you pray and listen and discern the voice of Jesus. We talk about freedom prayer quite a bit. Sometimes you'll see the the posters here in the sanctuary about freedom prayer. If you find yourself struggling with habitual sin or discouragement, or just feeling like you don't experience the loving presence of Jesus in your life, I want to encourage you to talk with Dustin, talk with Carolyn. There are others here who would love to sit with you and pray with you and let Jesus do his work in your life. We call it freedom prayer. It's not like the matrix. You don't do it once, take the blue pill, and you're forever free. We will never be 100% free until we see Jesus face to face. But it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And I've gone really long on that one point, and it's almost time to go. But very quickly, the two commands are stand firm and don't submit yourself to a yoke of slavery. I stand up one last time. There's a passage we're going to read. It comes from James chapter 4, 7 and 10. The two commands are stand firm. So how do we stand firm in our faith? How do we stand firm in the freedom that Jesus gives us? How do we not submit ourselves back to that yoke of slavery? And that yoke of slavery can be legalism. It could also just be the apathetic spirit of, "Ah, he'll forgive me anyway, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. Or it could be that really apathetic spirit of, who cares? I'm tired of the fight. There's tons of verses we could look at, but this one passage right here from James chapter 4, 7 through 10, this is what James, the half-brother of Jesus, says. And this is how we stand firm, and this is how we resist those temptations from the evil one. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Go back to that verse, Chris, sorry. Do you see it first? When we're attacked, when we're tempted, When the devil comes after us, the first step is submit to God. We do that through praise, through worship, through thanksgiving, even if we don't feel like it. We surrender him, and we begin to declare that he's awesome and wonderful and powerful and good, and we submit to his will, even if that means suffering. We submit to him. We can't resist the devil in our own strength, but we sure can in the power and presence of Jesus as we walk in humility. We submit to God. Then we can resist the devil. And the promise is the devil will have to flee. And I found in my own life, when I'm tempted, when I'm struggling, if I begin to praise and worship and just begin to declare to God, Lord, I submit to you. I submit to your will. I submit to your goodness. You are awesome and holy. You're good. I do not get that far. And the temptation is gone. The next verse, verse eight, draw near to God. How do we draw near to God? Through thanksgiving and praise. Maybe even through confession. We draw near to God. Psalm 95 says, enter his gates of thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. We draw near to God, and what's the promise? He'll draw near to us. We do that in freedom prayer. It's a promise. Cleanse your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's repentance. That's confession of sin. First to God, but also one to another. Be miserable and mourn and weep. If your heart is hard, if your heart is apathetic, tell Him. Don't try to hide it from God, He already knows. Just be honest. Tell Him. Let your laughter turn to mourning and your joy to gloom. There's a season for everything. There's a season for mourning and repentance. There's a season for joy and laughter. We we never can always always be on the mountaintop. We have to go through valleys too. And then this is what James says, and we love this. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he'll exalt you. That hard attitude of getting down low, Jesus will get lower and then he'll lift you up. Worship team, if y'all could come forward. I really, just as we sing this last song, want to encourage all of us. Whichever bucket you're in, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, I exhort you to do so. If you have a hard, apathetic heart where you really don't care, I want to encourage you, come forward. We've got a group of people over here. We'd love to pray with you. I want to encourage the rest of us to live out James chapter 4. May we draw near to God. May we submit to him. May we humble ourselves. May we confess our sins first to the Lord. And then may we fix our eyes on Jesus and worship and praise. And then I want to encourage you these next couple of days as we get to 4th of July. It's not about fireworks and burgers and brats. It's about freedom in Jesus and what he's done for us. Don't be ashamed to eat those bratwurst and burgers and hot dogs, but it's so much more. May he fill your heart with gratefulness and thankfulness for the freedom he's given us through the Lord Jesus. As we sing, as we worship, if you want prayer, there'll be a couple of us over here to your right, my left. We'd love to pray with you. If you want to come up to the steps and just spend some time alone, do so. The pews are tight. Just move the person out of the way. Tell them, excuse me, I got to get to Jesus. And let's sing, let's worship.